Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya Nasta Priyeshu Abhyeshu Cham Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavat Yutama Shloke Bhaktir Bhavati Daishtaki Omajana Trimanandasya Jana Jana Salakaya Chakshuan Militanyena Tasmai Shri Guru Venamaha Vajkapadu Vishya Kripasindu Vivacha Patita Nam Pavane Bhyo Vaishnavijanamonamaha Good evening. Raj pastimes. Krishna's most intimate displays of sweetness with his uh, eternal associates and those that are becoming eternal associates. The pastimes of Raj Bhumi are special in that regard. We understand from our Gaudiya tradition that the final birth of a sadhika who has attained the level of Prem takes birth one last time within the material universe when the Supreme Lord displays his pastimes of Raj once in the day of Brahma. Of course, this is specific to those devotees who are Raganugas, following in the footsteps of the Rigatmikas, or the Lord's eternal uh, associates in Rajbhumi, or Goloka Vrindavan. And there's some distinguishing factors of the pastimes of the Lord uh, in Rajbhumi, that Raj which is manifest uh, on the, in the material plane, Manifest, although it's always there. Vrindavan is an eternal abode, so it's never influenced by the Lord's external potency in any way. Those pastimes are either visible within a material universe or not visible, but always present. So those devotees who have reached the highest perfection they're fully aware of the Lord's pastimes in his eternal doms at all times also a distinguishing feature besides the fact that they are manifest and sometimes unmanifest is the fact that there is the appearance of demoniac forces within Rajbhumi which are said to not be manifest within uh, Goloka, the spiritual realm in Vaikuntha. So that's another one of the distinguishing factors. There's some other characteristics that are different between the two. But, and some of the great commentators say that Vraj Bhumi is, has some advantages over uh, Vraj and Goloka. And some say, no, Raj and Galok is better. So, so Maharaj Pariksha was inquiring, why a year? Why the cowherd boys did not disclose the killing of Agasura for a year? How is that possible? They're 
I mean, they're young kids. They're going to like what? Uh, hey, let's not tell our parents for a year. Let's not tell all the little the gopies for a year what happened. Let's let's withhold that. <laughs> Mars Pariksha knew that well, that would that was not going to happen. So he inquired from Sukadev Goswami, why a year? Why this delay for a year? And uh, Sukadev goes on to explain this in some detail. And if we look at this one day in the life of Krishna and his cowherd associates in Brajbhumi, it's it's was quite full, uh, so full that it couldn't all fit in one day. <laughs> so in the morning there's, well, Balram stayed home, some birthday celebration to get prepared for with rites and offerings and giving in charity and all those associated things. So he wasn't there and Krishna decided that they would take out a little early in that morning and so he blew on his uh, bugle horn very early and called all his cowherd boys and uh, uh, let's not take breakfast at home we'll take breakfast we'll take a brunch a little later so, and they headed out early uh, with the calves and we have the incident with Agasura first incident where Krishna displayed his uh, ability to dispatch uh, the demoniac uh, specifically in relationship to his associates before uh, it had just been between him and the demon but now well, this added a new dimension so Agasura had consumed all of his cowherd friends and all the calves had followed the cowherd boys into August's mouth so all of the associates are gone and Krishna's was a little bit bewildered for a moment and then uh, he knew how to resolve the situation and he dispatched uh, the demon so in that past time there were some special characteristics, but one of which was that Agasura attained uh, a spiritual form in Vaikuntha. And uh, so this was unique to this pastime. And uh, it was also unique, as I said, in that. Krishna actually was able to display uh, his his powers in in a way that also expressed his extreme praying for his associates and that he was able to save them and this got quite a bit of applause and congratulations from the from the from all the demigods, all all the residents of the higher planetary system, the whole universe was joyful, and uh, much beating on drums and cymbals and singing and dancing and 
so much so that even the uh, uh, the demigods all came to see the wondrous thing, and uh, it even caught the attention of Brahma, Shiva, Arda. They all came, observed this, and. Brahma got some notion in his mind that uh, this is this is my lord, um, and although the commentators point out that there was no malice in his intent, in his in his thought, still um, he decided to let me let me show this my lord Krishna. Let me show let me show my mystic opulence. So he got the notion, well, let me steal the calves and the cowherd boys. Well, that's not possible. That's not going to happen. But um, Yogamaya saw an opportunity to, to take advantage of Brahma's desire in that regard, so she, she played along. Well, actually, she didn't play along. He played along with her, her arrangement. So the calves, they wandered off while the cowherd boys were eating lunch. Very intimate uh, scene described in the Bhagavatam of how, uh, how the cowherd boys were so enthralled with Krishna that day and Krishna arranged a reciprocation with them, which was quite amazing. Un couldn't be understood by uh, by anybody except those individual cowherd boys, and of course Sukadeva Swami, the great sages. They could they could ascertain what's happening. So every single cowherd boy that was sitting around Krishna, and it's ex the analogy is used of a a lotus petal. Uh, all the different boys are around. Krishna's in the in the whirl of the lotus, the very center. And every boy have had a desire. I want to I want to sit directly in front of Krishna. And Krishna fulfilled all their desires. And there's thousands upon thousands of cowherd boys. Every single one of them is thinking Krishna is sitting directly in front of me and looking directly at me. And all the other coward boys are off to the side and behind. So it was quite an amazing, uh, amazing thing to behold. And they're exchanging lunch so intimately that they're, they're trading food with one another, bitten food. Who would offer something to the Supreme Lord that they'd taken a bite of? So the level of intimacy is, is quite unique, uh, as is all the sweet, loving pastimes of the residents of Raj. And the calves, uh, under Yogamaya's direction, they, they wander off. <laughs> and uh, Krishna sees that all his friends are, are very intently uh, absorbed uh, in in taking their lunch and enjoying themselves, and he doesn't want that that enjoyment in any way be interrupted. 
but he notices some concern in their demeanor, their confidence, that the, the cow herd, the calves have, have run off. And he says, you just stay here. I'll take care of that. I'll go and get the calves. So when the calves have run off, Brahma thought, oh, here's an opportunity. I'll, I'll show my mystic opulence to Krishna. I will, I will steal these calves. So Krishna goes and he tries to find the calves to no avail. He returns and the coward boys are gone too. So he's, he's bewildered for a moment. <laughs> Doesn't know what what's going on here. I mean, this is twice in one day. I mean, I lost my 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 boyfriends this morning in the mouth of a demon and all the calves and now here it is again and we just were in the middle of lunch the calves run off I can't find them I come back the cow, the cow herds themselves are gone what he, for a moment he was he was set back uh, but then uh, he thought and he it came to him uh, Brahma's up to mischief So recognizing that uh, that Brahma had some, there was no malintent. There was just some desire on his part to uh, to show off. And uh, and understanding what Yogamaya is conceived of here to some extent, he expands himself into all the cowherd boys and all the calves. And they proceed to finish their lunch and uh, head back to town, head back home with the calves. And uh, for a whole year, Krishna uh, was was those calves and those cowherds uh, so much so that the affection that all the residents of Raj felt for the Supreme Lord, for Krishna uh, that affection was was exchanged with with their sons and with the calves, the cows with the calves um, and after the year had passed says in the uh, Gopal Champu, Jiva Goswami writes, five or six days before the whole year was up, uh, we have the incidents of the uh, Balaram observing the affection of the cows for the older calves and that they ran down off Govardhan Hill, uh, ran so fast that it looked like they were on two legs. Um, <laughs> And they suckled their, uh, you know, their off, their calves, which had, were far from taking milk anymore. In the age, and then the cowherd men saw the boys, and they ran down the, the rough terrain themselves, and embraced their sons, and smelled their heads, and were overwhelmed with affection. And Balaram, uh, he notices this, and. 
He also noticed during that time that it became apparent to him, yes, actually my affection for Sridham and Sudham and my associates has also been more intense, just like I feel for Krishna, I'm feeling for them. So he's, he's, he, he's seeing, he's starting to, starting to come apparent to him. So, Krishna wanted to reveal to him what had happened, um, but he didn't want to do it in a, in a harsh manner. So I wanted to share with you an explanation from, from uh, Vishwanath of how Vishwanath's commentary on the Srimad Bhagavatam, Sarathar Darsini is his commentary, his tika. And uh, what I wanted to share was, it's ex- he explains how this bewilderment of even Balaram, Krishna's older brother, uh, Krishna wanted it to be rescinded in such a way that Balaram would understand the whole Leela from the perspective of a devotee. In other words, why, this Leela was enacted so that Krishna could, ex, could have a more intimate, loving exchange with, with the older gopas and gopis and with the, you know, the calves, with the cows. So it was, it was meant to nourish their praying. So... Okay. So this begins in the uh, the 13th chapter, uh, Vishwanath's explanation. Uh, Balaram is inquiring from Krishna. He says, What is this wonderful phenomena? The affection of all the inhabitants of Raj, including me, uh, towards these boys and calves is increasing as never before. Just like our affection for Lord Krishna, the super soul of all living entities. So he's, he's questioning in his mind, what, what's going on here? Something, something's up. So Vishwanath explains, so in order to preserve that perspective of a devotee, Yogamaya removes the first part of her influence. Uh, so that Brahma, Balaram thought about the wonders he was seeing. And that wonder, of course, was, was the fact that he thought about, because he hadn't thought about it for a whole year. It hadn't, he, hadn't, he wasn't aware of it. It just came to him when he saw the calves coming down Govardhan Hill and the cowherds running after them and the affection exchanged. So, um, 
that was the first part of yoga maya is letting him see that intensified affection and recognizing in himself that intensified affection that he himself experienced during the last year. Then he goes on to explain the second part. Yogamaya is taking away the second in part part of her influence on Lord Balaram. Balaram thought for a moment about this and invoked his power of omniscience. To understand the cause of his surprise, Balaram considered it is definitely a display of mystic power. So he's he's recognized now something's going on and it has to be some mystic opulence. Something beyond something out of the ordinary because this doesn't normally happen. This affection that we observed and we felt doesn't normally happen. So there has to be some influence to bring about that. What is that? So this is the second layer of Yoga Maya. His omniscience is kicking in and he's trying to figure it out. So, well, he's saying... It can't be Daiv Maya, Daivi Maya. It can't be the influence of the demigods because they have no influence over me. And they really have no influence over Krishna's eternal associates. So it, it can't be the influence of demigods. He rules that out. Um, maybe it's Nara Maya. Maybe it's the influence of the sages who have become the cowherd boys. No, that's, again, I was bewildered, so it couldn't be that. Well, maybe it's a demoniac influence. Uh, Raksasi Maya, employed by the demons like Kamsa. Maybe he's up to no good, and he's influenced this. And then he realized that's again not possible. That no deeming demoniac influence could could bewilder me and bring about this increase in praying. So then Yoga Maya takes away the third portion of her influence. Balaram again considers. The mystic change must have been caused by yoga maya potency of my master Krishna. So, this is the third stage. He's finally coming. Yoga maya, this is her thing. She's done this. This whole affectionate thing has to be the result of of her influence. Because it couldn't be Mahamaya, because Mahamaya answers to me. So, Vishwanath says, speaking as Lord Balaram, Mahamaya of my, of my expansion, Mahavishnu, who creates the Mahatattva, easily bewilders Brahma and all others, but not me. 
another verse from the Bhagavatam. Thinking in this way, Lord Balaram was able to see with the eye of transcendental knowledge that all these calves and Krishna's friends were expansions of the form of Sri Krishna. So, by the eye of transcendental knowledge, Vishwanath explains, uh, by Krishna's will, the fourth portion of Yogamaya departed and Balaram was able to see all the boys and calves were expansions of Krishna's transcendental form. And then Krishna explained everything to Balaram. Now, Kavikanapur in recounting this pastime. He says that for the next five or six days, Balaram didn't come out. (laughs) He was upset. Now, the Bhagavatam doesn't bring that out, but Kavikanapur said he didn't come out during that period. He was a little upset with Krishna. I mean, a year's a long time. So years passed, and Balaram knows now what's happened. He was upset or not upset, or upset in some universes and not in others, or <laughs> a set in the mind of one sage and not in another and one vyas uh, so <clears throat> Brahma comes back it's been a moment of his time he's on a different wavelength time wise so uh, in a moment of his time he returned to see that Krishna was there taking lunch with all his associates just as he was before when he took the calves and the calves are still grazing nearby and he's bewildered now so he's thinking what's going on I just put the calves in the calves what's what's going on so he's trying to figure out what's going on and he's having a hard time of it He's thinking, well, did Krishna, I know I put them in the cave, is Krishna when I'm here, with my consciousness here, is he bringing them all here? And then when I go back and see if they're there, are they, is he taking and putting back there? Or is he manifesting two sets? So he's, he's, he's becoming dumbfounded, so much so that he, he enters into like samadhi to figure it out. He like goes into trance. All right, I come on. This is... and he can't. That doesn't work either. I mean, you know, these sages, Brahma, creator of a universe. He has a lot of mystic opulence there. He has a lot of uh, you know um, omnipresence. Um, you know, so he knows he can he can use that. And when it doesn't work, he can he can go inside himself and and 
use all the facilities at his disposal to try to figure out, and he can't figure it out. And he, 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 just, he becomes stunned. He's just stunned. And then he notices that all the complexion of all the cowherd boys gradually starts to transform into this dark blue and all their garments start to turn yellow and they start to manifest four arms and helmets and all the paraphernalia of Vishnu they actually become Vishnu all of them all the cowherd boys and all the calves are now Vishnu now talk about dumbfounded he's at his wit's end and they're all perfectly Vishnu they're not a replica of Vishnu they are Vishnu they have the four symbols they're not like a what's it Pundraka was that his name no these are real Vishnus they're not imitation Vishnus they have all the markings of Vishnu they have the Kastuba gem they have the three lines on their throat. They have the helmets. They have the, the golden bangles. They have, they have the mark of Lakshmi. They have the ankle bells. They have the, the gorgeous uh, uh, garter belts inlaid with unlimitedly valuable gems. And he recognizes the fact that I I don't what again he just he's lost he's completely lost that's the only way to explain it uh, thus Lord Brahma thinking and thinking for a long time tried to distinguish between these two sets of boys who were each separately existing he tried to understand who was he real and who was not real, but he couldn't understand. So this is what he was trying to understand. This is a verse from the Bhagavatam. When he's trying to understand which set's real and which set's in it. And then all the boys become Vishnu. And then they speak to him through the pen of Vishwanath Chakravarti the following. O Brahma, this is all the Vishnus, the unborn Aja One, resident of Satyaloga, verily you're a goat. <laughs> the word Aja also means goat. Uh, you create the universe by your intelligence. Now you want to bewilder us by your maya? You have no idea at all who we are. Now, we sometimes hear this in the material world. Somebody will be so full of themselves. Somebody else will challenge them. And they'll say, you don't know who I am? You can imagine, you know, some... <laughs> 
big movie star or some big wrestler or some big pop star walks into a restaurant and the maitre d' says, yes, yeah, I'd like my table. Well, who are you? You don't know who I am? You know, you can imagine that we hear this from time to time in the material world. You don't know who I am? It's, it's well, this is Krishna manifest in his all his opulence, all these forms of Vishnu, and he's telling the Brahma, and he can do it. He can pull it off, because guess what? He, ha- he is all that and much more. You have no idea at all who I am. Now we will show you. Look, though we are all the calves grazing on Vrindavan's grass and all the cowherd boys herding those calves, our real form is only one form. This is one of the unique characteristics of Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. He's always quoting Krishna in the purports of in his Saratha Darsini in the purports. He's always adding a little bit from Krishna's perspective, and it's always he's speaking Krishna's words, and it's it's a very nice feature of his tika. So uh, uh, read it and enjoy it. It's it's very nice, and it it goes through the whole text. So as I said, everything's there. The armbands, the mark of Lakshmi, Kastuba gem, they are Vishnu. And they're surrounded by bees. They're covered with garlands of Tulsi. You can imagine the fragrance. And, And Brahma can do nothing but simply fall down in prostate obeisances. He's overwhelmed. He can't even speak. In the verse, the uh, the word is just like in the uh, the verse from uh, Sixastikam, where Lord Chaitanya says the voice is choked up. Uh, and he saw in that vision of seeing Krishna manifested all the vision he saw all the energies all the material energies which he 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 has some very intimate knowledge of being a Brahma in charge of a universe he's aware of all the Lord's different potencies Parashya Saktir Vivadaya the Lord has unlimited potencies so he saw all those potencies were coming before the Vishnu's In fact, the verses of the Bhagavatam says every entity, every potency, everyone was present there in Brahma's vision as worshipping these Vishnus. All the elements, all the energies, all the living entities, all the different cities, all these things were there worshipping these Vishnus. And he understood that these are simply expansions of of Krishna. Uh, They are Krishna. And that uh, such a display, he, he, as I said, he was uh, 
it was beyond anything he'd ever experienced. And the way it's explained here in the in the tenth canto, uh, it would be like we have a similar display of power to Arjuna on on the battlefield of Kurukshetra, when Arjuna said, "For give me some, show me a sign, <laughs> show me your God," and he did. And Arjuna said, "I've seen enough." That's you know, so similarly Brahma. But although he wasn't overwhelmed in that way, he was he was overwhelmed uh, in in what he was uh, uh, allowed to experience in Krishna's presence. There's some explanation there of the modes. Then Sukadev goes on to explain to Maharaj Pariksit that when we look at what's what's transpired here, let's try to give a perspective. And he gives two analogies to Maharaj Pariksit that the display of Brahma before Krishna, of his teeny mystical opulence, is like the display of of snow in the darkness of nights. The darkness that snow brings on the darkest nights is of no significance to the night. And then he goes on to say, or maybe more appropriate is looking at Lord, uh, the power of Lord Brahma before Krishna as that of a firefly in front of the sun. So it gives us some perspective. (laughs) If you look at a firefly and you look at the sun, then maybe we'll get some idea of the comparison of the powers of a Brahma in a universe coming out of a pore of Vishnu whose expansion of, you know, Chaturvyuha coming the Purusha avatars coming from Lord Balaram who's the first expansion of Krishna so no comparison at this point in seeing all this all the energies all every worshipping the Vishnu Vortis Brahma becomes so bewildered he actually loses just loses consciousness he he loses his ability to think that's why it's called Brahma Vimoha Leela he can't he can't get his mind around it It, it, he just quits functioning It said he wasn't even able to see. And he's, not only is he so so mystified by the mystic opulences of baby Krishna, but he's, he's overwhelmed with, with 
ecstatic emotion, with bliss, that that he would be given this, you know, be be dealt with in this way by Krishna, that would, you know, that actually go out of his way to show him his, you know, his his position. So he was he was he was excited about it also. Um, The Bhagavatam goes on, Sukadev says, Lord Brahma's external consciousness then revived. And he stood up, just like a dead man coming back to life. Opening his eyes with great difficulty, saw the universe along with himself. And it goes on to explain, he saw Vrindavan. And he saw the, all the opulence of Vrindavan. And he saw Lord Krishna. And with tears in his eyes, he paid obeisances again and again uh, with his four heads, actually performing Abhishek of the Lord's feet with the purified tears from his eyes. That's how the uh, 13th chapter of the 10th canto concludes. Uh, Brahma was then allowed to bring back the original calves and cowherd boys that he had stolen. Of course, they actually weren't stolen. Those were a manifestation of Yoga Maya that allowed him to think he could touch the residence of Raj, which he doesn't have the, the capacity to do. But anyway. Uh, and it's explained, when I say, as I said, he paid obeisances, but he did something that most demigods don't do. And that is he got off the swan carrier to do that and touch the ground. Demigods don't generally touch the ground. But then again, this isn't just any ground. When Krishna comes, he brings his transcendental abode. So when we look at these places of Leela that the Lord, where he performs his pastimes, they are the spiritual realm. So by taking that dust on his helmets, Lord Brahma attained the, the highest benefit. So he didn't really break, break the tradition of the demigods not touching, you know, not touching the earth, because he wasn't. He was actually touching Vrindavan. Vishwanath says there is a famous saying that demigods never touch the earth. Brahma's breaking the rule indicates that he gave up his prestige as a demigod. So that Vishwanath brings that out too. So both things are there. But the humility of Brahma cannot be underestimated in this in this pastime. Gadad 
Gagadaya, this faltering voice. That was the word we were looking for in relationship to with uh, what is that? The seventh verse. Mm-hmm. So this faltering of the voice is is one of the one of the symptoms that Brahma Brahma had. He could not even offer his prayers. So as I said, this concludes the thirteenth chapter. The fourteenth chapter, the first forty verses of the fourteenth are the prayers of Brahma, some very significant prayers, um, one of which is, some people may say they know the Supreme Lord. All I know is I don't know anything about him. Another of which is the very first of the of the first verse of the 14th chapter wherein Brahma recognizes Lord Krishna as Swayam Bhagavan the original the source of all other manifestations the English is my dear Lord you are the only worshipable Lord the supreme personality of Godhead and therefore I offer my humble obeisances and prayers just to please you O son of the king of cowherds, your transcendental body is dark blue like a new cloud. Your garment is brilliant like lightning, and the beauty of your face is enhanced by your gunja earrings and the peacock feather on your head. Wearing garlands of various forged flowers and leaves, and equipped with a herding stick, a buffalo horn, and a flute, you stand beautifully with a morsel of food in your hand. And if you read the commentary of Vishwanath to this verse, he points out in all the Sanskrit words how Brahma is establishing Krishna's position as the source of all other manifestations of the Supreme Lord. Also of significance is the verse where Brahma says, I only have he, he praises all the residents of Vraj uh, immensely in these verses, these prayers. And then he goes on to say, it would be my greatest good fortune if somehow or other I could take some birth here and receive the dust from the lotus feet of all these residents, all the Vrajvasis. So, uh, very nice verses. Uh, by Brahma uh, all of which were simply ignored by Krishna externally Uh, and Brahma of course was mm, uh, okay uh, he circumambulated Krishna and he left Krishna not recognizing him externally at the time due to his the circumstance the circumstance being uh, I'm here playing with my friends and you've interfered with my party and if you want to worship me this is not the best of times uh, we got to get back home 
and all my boyfriends, you know, have been away from their parents for a year, thank to you, and uh, uh, so Brahma departs, uh, and they head back to town. On their way back to town, they see the body of Agasura, which Yogamaya has conveniently hidden for 12 months from the other residents of Braj because, I mean, they're there, they would be out in the woods and there would be a body and then it would be it would be something to explain. So she manifest, she again brought out Agasura's body so the boys could go back to town and, and they had a huge party that evening uh, according to Jiva Goswami's uh, Gopachampu. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a huge affair and they of course, the boys had never been saved before themselves. They've seen Krishna done some amazing things. But this is the day that he actually came to our rescue. I mean, he just killed this demon. You couldn't believe it. And he just blew out the top of his head. And, hey, you can go, let's go look at that, uh, you know. So we can imagine. Uh, and then all the gopis are there, you know. What, is, what are you talking about? Uh, why can't we go? I'll end it there for this evening. Are there any questions? This is our solace. Our success is in becoming absorbed in these pastimes. Thank you so very much. Hare Krishna.